Kitov. Today's daf is daf chaf. We continue with discussions about Eved Ivri. Um, and that nobody here was expecting, unless you learned Kiddushin before, that when you learn Kiddushin, we're going to have a major segment on Eved Ivri. Yeah, All right. right. So, um, we pick up in the middle of Yotaramadet. And um, we're dealing with this issue about whether it's the original money that is the kesef for kiddushin for yiud or the final money, and the or what's left of the service. One difference is can you do yiud even if there's less than a pruta left of service left? But the, we're dealing with a few brightas that are also dealing with the question about um, the like when, when the kiddushin begins. So what it said is is that if the original money is the kesef kiddushin, um, even though that will only be true in the end when the guy decides he wants to do Yiyud right and then the question would still be when does the Kiddushin begin so the question would be if somebody came and was Makadish this girl um, between the purchase and the Yiyud and the Brita said that that other man's Kiddushin would not take effect if in the end the master wanted to do Yiyud it would turn the scenario in to a case as if he had said when he purchased her you are Mikudeshes to me me'achshav and to finish at the time when I do Yiyud even though he never said me'achshav and even though he hadn't made up his mind yet but it's almost like a, a, you know, a lease with an option to buy it just occurred to me that that's basically what the obvious is here anyway but it becomes a me'achshav u'achherzman and another man's Kiddushin would not be take effect so that's a big Chiddush and how it works when we say it's the original test of Kiddushin and um, similar I mean similar right yeah there is some parallel there that's true okay so now it says Tani Ida we got it in another Brisa this is about 15 lines down line starts with the word Hamocher maybe 20 lines down Tani Ida we got another Brisa Hamocher is Pito man sells his daughter the, as a slave and then the father went right because in my scenario actually it also had to be the father that was marrying her off in the middle because she's still a Ketana the father went and married her off so he sold her to Ruvain and then before there was an opportunity for Yud before the Ruvain decided to do Yud he married her off to Shimon just like the previous case so before we said it wouldn't take effect if Ruvain eventually did Yud let's take a look what this is going to say thank you he laughs in the face of the uh, of the master of Ruvain and she's married to Shimon so the marriage to Shimon does take effect against what we said in the previous bright now that's Reb Yosef Reb so now we understand that because Reb Yosef Reb says what is the Kesef Kiddushin anybody remember it's the remainder of the service it is not the original money it's what's left of the service becomes Kesef Kiddushin so according to him clearly no Kiddushin process began so since no Kiddushin process began the father could marry her off to another man okay that's what Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda says no he could still do Yud because as we saw it's the original money if he chooses to do Yud retroactively the original money is Kesef Kiddushin and the marriage to the other man does not work Yud, yes, and if she doesn't do Miyut, she would be. He would be. She would be Mikudesh to the to Shimon. It's sort of like Kiddushin Tanai almost. Yeah, well, that's what I said. It's sort of like an option. Okay, Masha. Well, like the second guy who wanted to do Miyut. It's not Kiddushin Tanai. It's Tluyim It's not Tanai. Okay, Masha LaOmer LeIsharet Mikudesh LeLachem Shloshim Yom. It's comparable or can be compared to a case. Right, what can teach on this is a case of a man said to a woman, "You're married to me after thirty days," but it's not Me'achshav. Just said LaAchem Shloshim Yom. 
somebody else married her during the 30 days so since there was no me'achshav Reuven said you're married to me after 30 days Shimon marries her during that period she's married to Shimon okay Shemukudetsus Lashemi alright and that so now the Gemara says so that explains presumably Rabbi Yehuda's position that it's only the money at the end that's going to do it and therefore the father can marry her off to Shimon so the Gemara just clarifies Marshal Lamond according to whose position is this Marshal clarifying illustrating and if it's the rabbis, it can't be the rabbis. The rabbis say that Reuven could still do Yehud and she won't be married to Shimon. Okay, it's illustrating Rabbi Yosef Yehuda. He says that, if she, that because it's only the money at the end, the father can marry off to Shimon and it would be binding. Obviously, that's the halacha. No. I might have thought, Hello, he didn't say and therefore what? So the way Tosh explains it is that since um, he could Shoshim Yom sets a fixed time. If Reuben says I will be married to you after thirty days, there is no question that nothing takes effect prior to thirty days. So clearly Shimon could come along and marry her. But in this case, where Reuben bought her, any single minute Reuben could decide to do yield. It's not like there's a fixed time where 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 nothing he has no he has no control. At any moment Reuben could decide to do yield. So in that case, maybe if Shimon tries to be Mikadishur, even though there was no Meachshav, even though the Kiddushan didn't happen yet, the idea that Reuben has the potential of doing yield at any moment he desires, maybe that locks out Shimon. So I might have thought that. Kamash Mulan, that we don't say that, okay? So now we have two very interesting things. According to the Chachamim, it's the Kesef Rishonim, okay? But nevertheless, you didn't say Me'achshav, it's just you use the Kesef Rishonim, but that's enough like Me'achshav to lock out Shimon, according to the Chachamim. And the flip side is, according to Reb Shimon, who is it, Reb Shimon Reb Yehuda? Like Reb Yosef Reb Yehuda, okay, it's the later money, but even though you could use the remainder of the of, of, of the service at any time, so he has the option at any moment to do Kiddushin, that does not lock out Shimon, and Shimon could always come ahead and do Kiddushin, because nothing has really begun yet. Alright, so that's what the two illustrations are coming to teach you about this case of Yehud, according to the Rabban, and according to Reb Yosef Reb Yehuda, whether another man could do Kiddushin in the interim. Okay, now the Gemara continues. Tanya Edoch, we taught in the third b'risa. Hamoches Bito, a man sold his daughter as an Evid Knani. Evid Ivri, excuse me. Upasak Amanat, what? Amivriah, thank you. Upasak Amanat Shaloli Ya'ed. And he stipulates with the master, I am selling her to you, but only on the condition that there's not going to be any yield here. She's only going to give you service. I do not want her to marry, to marry her off to you. Only on that stipulation. Okay? So it, can you have an, a halos of Ama Ivriya with the option of yield excluded? Now, if you might remember, we looked at a case, and we're going to look at a case in a minute, where it's impossible because she's a relative. You sell her to your brother. Or actually, your brother would not be in You sell her to your father, your son. She's a relative. It would not be. It would not be possible. Here, the question is not that it's just not possible, but it's been it's been intentionally excluded. Okay, you're being you're stipulating against it, and that becomes an issue of masna mashakasu b'torah. So let's take a look. Okay, niskayim atzanai did Rameir. Rameir says, yeah, that condition can work. You can stipulate that way. The chamimomim in rotsuliyad miyayit. Nope, the guy still has the option to do yud. Because you stipulated against the way the Torah defines the institution we call it if you want to redefine an institution against the way the Torah has defined the institution it is not binding ok so now the Gemara says one minute 
But according to Rabbi Meir, why does it work? Rabbi Meir, it's no kind. According to Rabbi Meir, you can stipulate. V'hatanya, didn't we teach in a brisa? Ha'omer le'isha, harayat mekudeshes le'yamanat she'en lach alai she'erksus v'ona. You are married to me on the condition that you have no none of the I have none of the biblical obligations of marriage towards you. I don't have to provide you with clothing, with sustenance, with regular act with you know marital sex. So, though, if, if you stipulate against those co- definitions of what the institution of marriage is about, the responsibilities and obligations that are a part of it, is the kiddushin is still binding, but the stipulation is rejected. Okay, you fundamentally want to do, you want to do kiddushin, so the kiddushin takes effect. You want to change some of the parameters, you're not entitled to change the parameters. Mm-hmm. It's all a package deal. So, since you, it's so, you know, so therefore, since you're doing kiddushin, you get the whole package. Okay? You should um Give Rabbi Meir. That's what Rabbi Meir says. Rabbi Yehuda says it's a, it's not so black and white. You can't stipulate about the obligation of Ona. That's a personal obligation. But what you can stipulate against is the obligation of support and uh, providing clothing because that's a financial obligation. And a financial obligation, you know, things that are about money obligations. If the woman wanted to, she could be mochalit, right? It's about it's like a type of a debt and it's money, and therefore that. Or is understood that that is something that the Torah leaves in the hands of the people if they want to reshape that and redefine that. Okay, now sometimes you could say that even more extreme. Like, for example, in the case of a Shomer, if you're my Shomer Chinam, the Torah says, you're Chayv and Pia, you're Pater and Geneva and Aveda. I could have you watch my object on the condition that you're exempt even in Pia, even in negligence. So in reverse, I could have you watch my object on the condition that you are obligated in Geneva and Aveda. And that's Masna Torah it's a monetary obligation. And it works according to Rabbi Yehuda. Now, there's one way to explain that actually, which doesn't exactly work by marriage. Maybe it does, but anyway, is that it's not that the Torah is fundamentally saying that a shomer chinam should have obligations X, Y, and Z. But since it's monetary, we give you the right to redefine. Another way of saying it is is that the Torah just is presuming a, a, a standard assumption. Meaning, what the Torah is saying is is it's going to be assumed that most people when they accept the responsibility of being a Shomer Chinam, they're accepting a certain level of obligation. When they accept a different a level of being a paid guardian, it's presumed that what's taken is that they're accepting a, a higher level of obligation. But ultimately, what it's doing is it's sort of, it, it, it's saying that that's only because that's the presumed intention. If you make explicit a different type of a contractual, you know, a, 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 a agreement, then that's what's binding. We're just presuming that the agreement un, if, unless stated otherwise this is the presumed conditions of the, uh, of the default positions of the agreement. Okay, it's harder to say that about marriage. You know, that's about something that the entire thing is rooted in a monetary transaction and a question about a meeting of the minds and what are the financial obligations. So we can assume certain defaults, but fundamentally given to be shaped by the party. Something like an institution of marriage, you would expect more. It's not that, oh, we assume you're, gonna, you're, you're agreeing to pay for share and ksus, you know, but at the end of the day, it's all up to you. Like, pre- presumably is more, it's less of a default of what is your, you know, your implicit agreement. It's less about an agreement and is more is about the institution. No, the institution of some marriage is supposed to come with these types of obligations. But nevertheless, what Reb Yehuda is saying is, is that since it is, at the end of the day, a monetary obligation and you can do what you want with your money, you are entitled to waive and to change the monetary obligation.
obligations, not the personal obligations. Ona, which is a personal obligation, you're not entitled to change, but monetary ones you are. That's Rebbe Yudas. Rebbe Meir says you can't change anything. So now he's got a big problem. Rebbe Meir says you can't change anything, and here he says that you can sell your daughter for an Amivria and stipulate against the possibility of yield. Yes. So what do you say before? Let's say you sell her for your father or whatever it is. And then right. Then it would be a good sale or not? Well, then we're going to see. There'll be different opinions. But it might be, but at least then that's, that, that's just because it has been made impossible. It's not, it's, not, it's not because you have the power to change the nature of the institution. So can a woman buy in that case, what? for her son? Oh, that's an interesting question. Like, you know, yeah. That's an interesting question. You know, that's such mm-hmm. a, that is such a great question. It just shows. I got I to gotta just stop here. If only, if only Rivka were here. It just shows how invisible, right? I mean, here we're talking about an Amaivria and how invisible, like, women are really from the discussion. Because with all this issue about the opportunity of yield and making stipulations and relatives, like, you're right. Like, it didn't even occur to me. I have to be honest for one second. What if the woman is buying the Amaivria? Right? Should that be like the question of the relative? You're right. It's a great question. It is a great question. Um, okay. So now the Gemara, it also seems a little bit more appropriate. Like, we should admit that this is a, a little disturbing, right? This person buying this underage girl for service, like, you know, whatever. She's it's, like, you know, she's like little, you know, I understand more that a, the, the, the matron of the household would need somebody to help her in the kitchen and with the housework or whatever, right? The idea that the man is buying this underage girl as a servant, right? Anyway, it's an excellent question. Okay, anyway, so the question is, so Rebbe Mayer says uh, that you can't make any tznai, even against a monetary obligation, how can you stipulate against yield? So the Gemara says... Um, uh, okay, it's It says, for a slave, for a slave woman. Or maidservant. The Torah allows for the idea that you're selling her just for the service. Okay? It says, why does it have to say le'amar? Whatever. I mean, I don't know. That's the context. But anyway, it's enough. The Torah is acknowledging that you can create, do it, have a version of the institution that is just for the service and not about Eud. Now, the other part of the question is, why do the rabbis reject it? So they reject it, A, they don't hold that drusha, they hold it's all one package, and B, how about the fact that the rabbis of Rebbe Meir normally allow you to stipulate about a tzanai b'davet shebamamon? So as so it points out, there's not a davet shebamamon. The right to do yi, the right to do kiddushin, is not a monetary thing. So therefore, the rabbis say you can't stipulate against it, um, even if normally they allow stipulation by davet shebamamon, and Rebbe Meir, who normally doesn't allow stipulation, is here saying the Torah allows for this institution of just le'amah. What do they do with that pasuk lema? because they say you, it has to always come together. Like we that you can sell her to people that are pasul, meaning that there's an isered love to marry, like we had before, a grusha to a kohen. Okay, okay, and so therefore, even though marriage is not really on the table, so that's you didn't stipulate against it, just in practice it's forbidden, okay, that would be okay, even though it's only effectively le'amah. Okay, what? Right, meaning, but you can't change the nature of the institution, okay? It could be that something gets gets in the way of somebody exercising their right, okay? But you have have not changed the institution, right? Right, you can have the the institution without this being possible, but you can't essentially change the institution. I mean, yes, that's the difference that we're dealing with, okay? So, velodinu, wait a minute, it's a kavachomim. 
Why do I even need a pasuk? The dieved, if when it, it's an isherlav, like a kohen and a grusha, or a mamzer case, okay. But dieved, if you do kiddushin, it's binding, even though it's an iser. So if if, if it's such a kiddushin is binding, certainly uh, the sale will be binding. You should be allowed to sell, or you haven't even gotten to the kiddushin stage yet. So couldn't you just know that from a kavachomer? No, one minute. Maybe you have the power to marry your daughter off to these Isrlav because you have more power. The father has more power when it comes to marriage because he can even do it when she's a Nara. Um, but maybe he can't sell her to Psulim because he can't sell her when she's a Nara. Meaning he has more power. He can be Makadish or as a Nara, but he can't sell her as a Nara. He can only sell her as a Katana. So maybe since he can only, his power in selling her is more limited, maybe he shouldn't be able to sell her to Psulim. Okay, Talmud you can do it so it's chal because the kiddushin itself would be chal even though it's forbidden so the sale is chal okay but that's the drush of le'amah that allows a sale which which should not which is forbidden to end in kiddushin even though if it would end in kiddushin it would be chal it would take effect alright and again that's different than stipulating about changing the institution here's something is getting in the way of effecting the rights but the institution is not changed Rabbi Eliezer Omer in um, no, no, no. You don't need a pasuk to tell me that you can sell her to this to somebody who's an iser lav. It says if it's evil in the eyes of the master, if she's, and she does, he doesn't want to marry her. Okay, so what does it mean? She's evil, or the situation is evil, and he doesn't want to mas- marry her. It means that there's something bad about the marriage, meaning halachically bad about the marriage. So he says when the pasuk says that the master doesn't want to marry. Marrier, what? Because it's in God's eyes. Yeah. I know. What can I tell you? Anyway, it means that if there, if the, the marriage is forbidden, then he's not going to go ahead and do yield. So in that case, that already covers the case of psulim. But it means that the sale took effect. Okay, so you see, the sale takes effect with psulim. So if that's true, why do you need a person to tell me lama to tell me even a bigger chiddush? that not only to like a mamzer or Cohen grusha even like a, an arayos a relative so a guy could sell his daughter to his son for the son like that's his you know I, I could buy my sister as my my, <laughs> my my little baby sister I could buy her as my maid servant even though there's obviously not only is it usher to do kiddushin kiddushin wouldn't even take effect in that case so you might think that if kiddushin can't even take effect that excludes it from the category of amayvriya so now I'm going to say, one minute, let's learn that from a Kavachomer. Why do you even need a Pasuk? Hello, Dinu, maybe it's a Kavachomer. I don't know why that's a kavachomer. If you can sell her to psulim, shouldn't you also be able to sell her to krovim to relatives? No. If you sell her to psulim, I mean, you're not you're not allowed to. But if you did kiyud, kiddushin would take effect. But when it's a relative, kiddushin doesn't even take effect. So that might be excluded categorically. And by the way, there are opinions that do exclude it. There are opinions that say that it's not doesn't take effect when you sell her to Krovim. Okay, so I'm a Krovim, I'm Krovim. So now you have exactly, going back to, you know, the, the Jenna's question, you have exactly this same thing. The rabbis say, if the woman is not a relative, the girl, you, it, you, and you try to 
stipulate against the right of yield, the stipulation does not work. It's all a package. You have the right of yield. So, but if the girl is a relative and yield is impossible, it is a good sale. The institution isn't changed. It's just that the circumstances don't allow for yield to take effect. So you can't change the institution, but you can have a sale even when yield is not possible. Okay, and that's the case of program. It is debated, by the way, program. Rabbi Meir Okay, so where does Rabbi Eliezer learn Psulim? He learns Psulim from where Rabbi Eliezer learns Krovim, which is in Ra'abe Ne'adoneha. So he learns that you can change the institution, and in Ra'abe Ne'adoneha tells you you can learn even a case of Krovim. Alright, um, <coughs> now, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's just say it. Rabbi Meir Lipsulim. How does he know that you can sell your daughter to a to to pastel like a mamzer or coin grusha? That's where he learns it out. Okay. So um, now bekrovim. Where does he know that you can sell your daughter to a to a karov? So he actually doesn't hold of that. He holds like the rabbis. You can't sell it to a car. So it's very interesting. You have mirror images of one another. The Gemara does this because of the economy of the psukim. Okay? The Gemara basically says you have like two psukim, right? You have le'amah and you have imra'a um, be'inei adoneha. Okay? Be'inei adoneha. So what the Gemara says here is, this is Rebbe Meir, and this is, well, let's start with Rabbanan. This is Rabbanan, and this is Rebbe Meir. So the Gemara says, for Rabbanan, Amah tells you, I mean, this tells you, I think, Psulim, and this tells you Krovim, okay? So those work, but what doesn't work is, is Tznai, okay? This yes, this yes, Tznai, to change the institution, does not work, Okay? That does not work. Okay? That's the Rabbanan. Rabbi Meir says, Amah teaches you Tnai, that you can, that you have a different institution that's just for, that's just for, what do you call it? That's just for Abdus. For this, in Ra'abe Ne'adunah, you have Psulim, because that at least Kiddushin is, is Tofsim. But when it comes to Krovim, Rabbi Meir says that doesn't work. So this is very strange, right? For the Rabbanan, you can't change the institution, but the, the, the facts can get in the way of doing Yud. For Rabbi Meir, it's the opposite. You can change the institution, but if you didn't change the institution, like if you said, I'm going to sell you my daughter, you know, your sister, and we're going to stipulate no Yud, like presumably that would work. Okay, but if you just say I'm going to sell you your sister as a slave, and we're not stipulating anything, and the facts are getting in the way, then that doesn't work. Which is quite bizarre. You have to admit, like if you can allow for an institution that doesn't have yield, right? How can you not allow for a circumstance that just prevents yield? It's very, very strange that the Gemara makes Rabbi Meir and the Rabbanan like mirror images of one another. Mm-hmm. Is that clear, Jenna? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you understand what I'm saying? You're just not understanding why it makes sense. Right? <laughs> I mean, the Rabbanan makes sense, right? Rabbi Meir is, a little, is quite bizarre. Like, why should it be that just because in theory, Yehud is... If in theory, Yehud is possible, but you've, made, but you've stipulated against it, that works. Okay? But if in theory, it's not even possible, somehow like that doesn't work. Sort of like, call her Roy Labile and Bila Makevito or something like that, yes. Wouldn't it make more sense to have an opinion where neither the institutional... Uh, 
no yud and the Kroger are both prohibited. Yeah, you could be machmir both ways. But, but, I, but we don't have that. Well, because you have psukim that are pushing in the other direction. Okay, so now the Gemara continues. Okay. Tani Chada, we have one b'raisa, mochel le'aviv, ve'en mochel libno. You can sell her to your father, and not now you're for your father. It's it's his granddaughter. There's no kiddushin with a granddaughter. That's krovim, okay? And you can't sell it to your son because that's his sister. So that's obvious. But why you can sell to the father is not so clear. We'll have to get back to that. The time you eat up, we got another rice up. So, Kepa's granddaughter or sister. That's obvious, the second price. That's a case of Krovim, and both, and both of them are Krovim. Because it's Krovim, and Krovim doesn't work. Okay? Who does the guy like? Because then how would you be allowed to sell to the father? It's a granddaughter. So, not like Rebeliezer who allows Krovim, because if you allow Krovim, you could sell to, the, your, to, to your son, you could sell to her brother. So the Gemara says, no, La'on Kerabonin, it is the Rabbanin, Krovim are not allowed, so it doesn't work, so why can you sell to the father, the grandfather? Motor Rabbanin hecha di'ikatzad yid, because by the grandfather, he can't be miyayed, but who can the owner be miyayed to, this girl to, himself or his? Son. Son. So who is, the, you, you sell your daughter to your father, okay, who is your father's son that he can do you to? Well, you, or but that will work, or your brother. If he wants to be miyayed to your brother, Brother, so that's so that would be the girls who uncle, uncle. and that is not an Israelite. So a girl can marry her uncle. It's permitted. It's permitted. So therefore, you can scream to this. You can sell to the grandfather because even though that's that's the yield for the owner is a karov, there's the yield for the son is not, and that would be and that would still make it possible. Yes. Yeah. Assuming you actually have a brother. Um, that is an, another interesting question, mm-hmm. right? Would it be that hypothetically, were you to have a brother, yield would be possible? Allows it? Who knows? Maybe before she gets, uh, uh, well, no, it, it, he, he couldn't get married and have a son and do yield before the six years are up if we talk that a yield is only begadol. Yeah. So what would be if he, had, if, he, if he had no brother, no brother that would be old enough to do yield with, right, would the fact that structurally yield is possible would be enough or you need it to practically be possible? And That's another good question. Furthermore, a brother who has not been married to your other daughter well, right, okay. <laughs> anyway, but it's a good question. Right? I got it. It's a good question. Do you need practically the year possibility or just, I would say, like structurally? Yes. The whole concept of Eretz Yivayana was only at the time where there was a big Demikdash or, like, you know, when did this end? Um, well... Uh, I think it's what well, yeah, right? yeah 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 I think everybody is only knowing Bisman Shahayovil Nohay pretty sure uh, to just check all the all the Kolotokul is on my phone though but a lot of it is <laughs> uh, it's pretty amazing actually you know alright Somebody once uh, complained and said, like, you know, when you read science fiction, it was like, uh, it was like, they promised us uh, uh, flying cars and all we have is, like, tweets. But I don't know. I think, I think, what are you talking about? Like, I'd much rather have Kolotar Kula on my phone than flying cars. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, all right, hold on. Let me see if I can just find this. We, I think we posted that, uh, that Evidivri is only no egg, bis mancha yovel no egg. Um, let me just take a quick look if I can find this. And, you know, while we think about that, at, at yeah. the time of the Gemara, uh, not the Gemara, like, you know, but, but 
was it was this like frowned upon like you know like uh, generally like I mean I know we're talking about all this but every you know okay fine it's like a man right this, but is there any review that this is not really a great thing to do with the, with the girl yeah that's a good question like do we find any like any censuring type like when we learned about like you know like Nazirus when we've learned other things Nidarim there were clear like value statements that were saying like you know I mean some were saying it's good some were saying it's not good yeah I have yet to see any I mean I'm not sure but that's a really good question um, okay here etc etc so it was only which meant the Yovel stopped being Noheg um, um, even before the end of Vice Rishon when you don't have all of the Shvatim in Eretz Yisrael so even from the time of the Golos of Sancheirev you didn't have the Yovel being Noheg so yeah that's an important point to make that this was already by towards the end of Bait Rishon the, the Halachas of Evadivri were no longer applicable and when Eric Nani um, technically not um, <laughs> well it, that's uh, interesting I, I don't want to get into that but there's whole discussions about whatever but yeah so Gemara then so Eric Nani was like we'll talk about that we'll, you know what let's talk about that when we get to Eric Nani okay Tana Rabbanan in Bekapo Yavo now let's look at some more Pesukim by Evadivri in Bekapo Yavo Bekapo Yitzay if he comes Bekapo which is going to be like Begufo like you know if he comes alone he leaves alone so what does that mean if he comes by his, by his body alone then he go, leaves alone what, ok we'll have to figure out what that means alright so what's the difference there if he comes whole in his body he leaves whole in his body and if something is, an eye is poked out, a tooth is knocked out, etc., I mean, he won't leave hole in his body, but that's not a basis for him to leave. Okay? He doesn't leave because of injury done to his body. He's not like an Evitznani. Okay? So, meaning like an Evitznani. Now, you might think... Right, now, you might think that that's why we're not being nice to him, but the answer is that we are being nice to him because you have to pay the full payment of injury Tsar, Shevet, Reap, Poach all of the types of normal payments that if we go to a free person if you knock out a free person's eye or tooth you have a lot of you know there would be a lot of monetary uh, compensation and payments to be made and that does get done what doesn't get done is he doesn't get freed if he can take probably that will be so much money that he can use that money to buy back his freedom okay so he probably could get free and he'll probably have money left over but he doesn't go free on a, just on the basis of that is that, is that reflection then that he's more of a hired person than he is a yes right exactly that he is more of a free person, right? And he's not really a slave. We learned that a few days ago. From he doesn't go out like slaves go out, meaning on the same, on the basis of losing like an eye or tooth. So the says no. If was from there, I would have said Maybe both things happen. You don't you don't go out on the basis of a lost eye and get no money. Maybe I would have said if if the master knocks out the eye, you go free and 
then you get paid for the eye. Okay? So it's not like a slave gets free that goes free and doesn't get paid. You will go free and get paid. So I might have said that. So therefore, this puzzle teaches you, Kamash Milan, the say that it is not the basis at all of going free. You can you're compensated for it, but it does not serve as the basis of going free. Okay. That's one thing to learn from the Pasuk. What does it mean going out alone as opposed to going out with your body, with your whole body? If she comes in married with a wife and children, he has some children too. Yeah. Um, well, it's sort of uh, like, uh, okay, hold on. Let me finish reading my sentence. Then the master can get, gives him a shifcha knanis in order to produce uh, slave children, essentially. Okay? Um, if he doesn't have a wife and children, the master does not. Now, this seems a little bit strange, because if you look at it from the perspective of the wife, it's like, what? My master, you know, my husband sells himself because he got into poverty, and now he's in addition to him not being at home and going or whatever, whether maybe he takes the wife with him because the wife gets supported, you know, but the family gets supported. That's another interesting question. But in addition to my husband now selling himself, he's now going to take another wife, right? You know, that's from the wife's perspective. It's, of course, it makes no sense. Like, if he goes in single and the master gives him a wife for the, in the interim, okay. You know, from the woman's perspective, it makes no sense. But it seems that the halacha more reflects, besides that it's just a drusher from the pasuk, it seems that the halacha more reflects the fact that, like, it's a type of a chote nisker type of a mentality. Like, you know, if this person, you know, as a result now of selling himself into slavery, which you shouldn't do, you know, now he's being allowed like a type of like a, you know, uh, uh, to be uh, sexually active when beforehand he wasn't. You know, so yeah, that's... Uh, fine, but the children didn't do that. Yeah, it's complicated, okay? I, I don't have a full answer for that now. I, I, I need to look into it a little bit more. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. Tanur Abanan. Nimkar B'manav Yishbiach. Now we're going to do a different halacha. If he was sold himself for a hundred dollars... He okay. his wife also, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, yes. But the question is how much can the master demand of him anyway I, I don't have a full answer for that I have to get back to that okay he sold himself for a hundred dollars let's say and now his value went up he became maybe he got stronger and bigger maybe the market went up and now he's worth two hundred dollars now how much if he wants to buy back his freedom uh, based on what based on original purchase price or based on current market rates okay so alright how do you know you use the original $100 as the basis for redeeming himself and you, you prorate it based on the amount of service left? It says if there's more to like, you know, left from the, from the money, of, from his purchase money. So you see you determine the amount of redemption based on the purchase price, on the purchase money. Now, however... We're gonna, there's another way, there's another scenario. <coughs> Let's say the purchase price was 200, and now his value went down. He got weaker, the market flip, you know, fell out of, fell out. Um, the Amad al-Mana, he's only worth 100. How do you know that you can use current market price? So you always use, which is more in his favor, the original sale price or the current market price. And even that, I should mention, is also prorated based on the amount of time that's been served and the amount of time left. How do you know you go by current market price if that's lower? 
where were we? Amar minayin came mechasin alamana tamad lamar kifi shanav yeshivas gulato. Based on the years he has left, you should buy back his uh, service. So it means based on the years he has left means based on the the right now how much is the remaining years worth? Okay, now I mean so the question is how do you know to apply the pesukim lekula? Maybe you should apply them lechomra. We have pesukim one day you go by the original purchase price. One that's interpreted to say you go by the current market value. We're going to take whichever one is more in his favor. So let's see where the Gemara goes with this. Um, now those Pesukim are talking about redeeming a slave that was a, 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 you know, a Yisrael who sold himself to a non-Jew. Um, since relatives redeem him, right, the Torah demands, you know, obligates relatives to redeem him. Clearly the Torah wants him to be freed from the ownership of the non-Jew. So the non-Jew is at a, you know, is at a disadvantage. We're going to give the benefit, you know, we're going to make it easier for him to be redeemed. <coughs> we're going to give a certain, you know, so that makes sense because we want him to be redeemed. There's an obligation of relatives to redeem him. We're going to use the, e- the lower price. If he sold himself to Israel, how do you know that even in that scenario we would use the lower of the two prices? Talmud Lomar, Sachir Sachir Ixer Shava, which we had a while ago. It, right, it says, you know, it, it calls him a Sachir and by the taste of selling to Israel, it calls him like a Sachir by selling to a non Jew. There you go, and therefore we apply from one to the other. So whether sold to a non Jew, whether sold to a Jew, you use the lower price, the sale price or the current price. Okay, but we still don't know why we know to darshan it lakula. So that's going to be the next story. Amar Abaye. Abaye once said when he was in a good mood, feeling good about himself and his learning, I'm like Benazai in the uh, marketplaces of Tiberias. So Benazai, you know, was known to be like this, you know, huge Talmud Chacham, towering over everybody else. He lived in Tiberias. Abaye was basically saying like, you know, uh, you know, like whatever. Like, yeah, you know, I'm feeling on the top of my game. Go ahead, ask me any question. I'm on the t- I, you know, I, you know, I'm, uh, I'm Babe Ruth in uh, Yankee Stadium. Okay, so I'm gonna lay So one of the rabbis said to him, Labaye, Michti. Okay, here I got a question for you. Hani cry You can read them Lakula that we we have two values, purchase price and current price. You could say you you can read it, we always take the one that's the lesser, or you can read it stringently. Let's always take the one that's the higher value. You have to redeem based on the higher value. My is to Dashina Lakula and who told you you can use the lower value of the two you always pick the lower why not always pick the higher so the Lord says no so apparently his answer is although it doesn't say Amar Baye the Stam is talking but anyway that doesn't make sense we know that the Torah is like it, you know is concerned for the welfare of the Evid Ivri so we're going to assume that it's going to allow it to be more easy for him to redeem how do you know the Torah is concerned for the welfare of the Evid Ivri Titani we taught in the Brisa and now something that probably some of you were taught in grade school okay this very nice teaching which it took us a while till we got to this Kitov lo imach. It should be good for him when he is with you. What does that mean? He should be equivalent to you. Imach. You have to treat him as an equal. Imach b'machal. You have equal in terms of the food that you give him. Imach b'mishte. The drink. Shalote atauch You don't eat the nice, fine bread. You know, the white bread. He eats the bran bread. You drink the old, good wine. And you give him the young wine. You sleep 
a nice, like, soft cushions, you know, uh, padding. You give him the straw. Nope, you cannot give him anything worse than you. He has to have the accommodations equal to your accommodations. I don't know if that means he gets the master bedroom. I mean, what's exactly the limit of it is, but okay. Mikan um, Amru, um, from here they said, Kolakona Evet Ivri, anybody who approaches this, and here, Michael, maybe it's going back to your point about censoring or not censoring. It's like a light censure, but it's telling you the you know, it's you know the consequence for the owner. Anybody who, who buys a Hebrew slave, Kikone Adon Atmo, you're basically buying a master. It's not somebody somebody that you could treat more lowly than you. Now Tosa says, "What do you mean it's a master? I mean he's it's here. He's not a master. So look at Tosos. The bottom Tosos of the page. Kola Kone Evidiv Kikone Adon Liatzmo. Tosos says." Because my Adon, Dilo Leos Ki Adono. He's equivalent. He's not a master. Let's say you only have one pillow. If you keep the pillow for yourself, then you're not treating him equal to you. So fine, neither of us will have a pillow. Okay, then Zumida Stone. Then that's me the stone. Like, why are you depriving him of a pillow? You're not losing out. You're not allowed the pillow. Why should you deprive him of it? So Nimsa shall avdo. So you have to give it to him. You can't have it because then you're treating yourself better than him. You can't deprive him of it of him because since you're not having it, why are you entitled to deprive him of it? So you have to give it to him. So in the end, if it comes down to it, he's going to get the better treatment than you. Okay, so that really is a very important realignment. We've been talking about being a slave all this time, and now this sort of wakes us up to the idea that you really have to give him, like, treat him with a lot of dignity and respect and equal treatment and so on. He works for you, but that doesn't mean he sort of is in this servile or subservient type of position. He doesn't really say Similar, it's still the same if someone had been sold at the beginning of October, right? Uh, yes, yeah, I, yeah. Okay, so you have a joke about the you had a bad day. I should yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, so since the Torah Kiko so is so concerned with the well-being, the aim of the Gemara says one minute. Those aren't comparable. Let me. I will say, That's how you treat him while you own him. You shouldn't cause him affliction, you know, and pain and suffering. But But when it comes to redeeming him, maybe we should be strict. Meaning, first of all, if he's being treated so nicely, maybe we don't have to make it so easy for him to get redeemed. Number one and number two is right. There's a difference between those because there's a way in which maybe there's another value that's pushed us to maybe create, make it harder for him to redeem himself. What would be that that would push us to make it harder for him to redeem himself? From the teaching of Rabbi Yosef Because this guy did not do a good thing, and here Michael is getting back to your point, that this guy did not do a good thing from, about selling himself. Come and see how weighty is even the dust of Shvius, of transgressing the laws of Shemitah, even the lighter laws. A person it's not that he worked the ground during Shemitah, which is a lav. He just engaged in commerce with Shemitah produce, which is like an Isra say. It was one of the lighter prohibitions of Shemitah. What's the consequence? So you're doing it because you think you'll make a profit. You know, you want to dis, you, you're, you're disregarding halacha because there's a profit motive. In the end, you're going to suffer exactly accordingly. So you're going to be, become so poor, you're going to have to start now selling your chattel, you know, your movable property. Shenemar, 
Shasa Yovel Tashul Isha Chuzato, it says there at the end of Vayikra, it speaks about Yovel and Shemitah, and after it finishes speaking in Bahar about Yovel and Shemitah, what does it move on to? When you sell things to your neighbor. So you were violating Shemitah laws, and now you're starting having to sell things to your neighbor. Okay, now, we're going to just start in the order of the Psukim here in like Bahar, in Bahar. Okay, so, now, Okonom Yadamitecha. Davarniknim Yadamitecha, a cattle, something that's sold from hand to hand, that's moved. Lo Yirgish, if you were not sensitive to your violation and not aware that the reason you were reduced to the state was because of your violation of mitzvos. So Lusof, well, then you... particularly. Right? What? Yeah, specifically Shemitah, right? So if you weren't aware that it was because of your violation of Shemitah and because of that that you were reduced to the state, it, things are going to start getting worse. Lusof moches stuff. You're not just going to sell, you know, your car and your, you know, and your, those things. You're going to start having to sell your, your real estate, your property, your fields, which is also, you know, your source of income. The next parasha is that somebody gets poor and sells from their inheritance, from their very, you know, from their from from their ancestral land. And now you're not, you, you 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 don't you know it you do not it doesn't come to you the awareness and the uh, that you should be doing tshuva and changing your ways. Ah, beto. Now not only do you sell your field, you have to you become homeless. You sell your home. Shenamra, the next part just says, when you sell the, a house in a walled city. Now, the Gemara interrupts for a moment and says, why when it talks about, about the first sort of thing, you violated Shemitah, you sold your metalpul, and then says, you were not, you were not sensitive to the fact that, uh, that what, you know, what made you fall into the state. It uses the phrase of Lohirgish. Here, after you had, you'd gone even further down, it says, it says, Lobasal Yado. The, you know, the, you know the, the thought of tshuva, the awareness, did not come to you. So why is, what's the different language? So the Gemara says, Kira like Rafuna. If a person doesn't have there and he repeats it, it becomes permitted to him. So what, really? It becomes permitted? So the Gemara says, no. If psychologically you feel it's permitted once you've done it more than once. So the first time, Lohirgish, you weren't sensitive, meant like we were there was a, 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 a the the expectation that you would have sensed you would have become aware right so the first time you violated there was a hope you would be sensitive and you would be aware what had happened but you weren't sensitive you didn't react and then you went further down by the second time you're so deep into it that's like yado. it's more to be expected that you won't become aware right you, it didn't happen that you became aware of course it didn't happen because you're already so deep into it okay so the the presumption by the second time was was that you're not going to become aware about that that this is why you're uh, becoming you know you're getting deeper and deeper into debt okay so um, okay so now once again the awareness of tshuva did not come to you so you sold now your, your, your field your house now your daughter so by the way again Michael, you'd rather sell your daughter than yourself I guess. well yes but by the way you know talking about a certain degree of censure that is not a censure of the entire institution but there's like a, here it's funny because you just asked the question and I said I couldn't think of something but here actually are things that 
relationship are sort of seen that way. It's sort of sort of talking about what does it mean that you're selling your daughter? Like, you know, how how destitute, how fallen do you have to be to get to the state of selling your daughter? Right? And what do you and how do what for you who's in the process of purchasing, be aware about how weighty is your responsibility going to be if you are going to purchase. So clearly here there is a clear censure that's emerging from this. Okay? So now the problem is that that parsha is not in Bahar. That's way back in Mishpatim. So the Gemara acknowledges that and says the Avagav Even though selling the daughter is not here in Bahar, but we're going to insert it. That a person would sooner sell his daughter because the next parsha after selling your house is a parsha about borrowing money with ribis, with interest. So a person, before he gets to borrowing with interest, because first you start selling, then you have nothing left, so you have to start borrowing money, but you're only going to be able to borrow with interest. That's going to be the next parsha. But before you borrow with interest, you're going to go back to Mishpatim and, and basically sell your daughter. And you'd rather do that before borrowing with interest. Why? Not necessarily because it's morally better, but for the following reason. My time, a barta migra of Because your daughter, after you sell her, the value goes down, right? And as she continues to work, it'll be easier to buy her back. Okay? Um, uh, most of Oslo, but if you borrow with interest, your debt only increases. But you sell your daughter, and the debt decreases. She's working off her debt. You borrow with ribis, and your debt increases. So you sold your fields, your house, now your daughter, which we brought in from Mishpatim, and now you have nothing left to sell except yourself, and you to borrow money with ribis. Okay? So... Uh, my, uh, so Gemara says, Loba so yada, so your awareness of Cuba did not come to you, Now you're buying with ribis. Don't take from him interest, but showing that that could be what happens in this scenario. Loba so now he's borrowing with interest and he still hasn't done Cuba. There's nothing left to do except sell yourself. Lolach, and not only not, and, and it's not enough that he'll sell himself to a fellow Jew, and Lolach, he might have to wind up selling himself to a Ger, Shanemar Lager. Now, what does a Ger mean? That's the next part, right? That he says, you know, Olager, Olager, Mishpachas Ger. So Lolager said, it's not a righteous convert, meaning somebody who's now Jewish, and Lager Toshav, somebody who is dwelling in the land but not Jewish. Shanemar Ger Toshav. Okay, which is there in the parsha, and then this is a mishpacha scare. Okay, mishpacha mishpacha scare. What does the family of a ger mean? Ze'ovi kochavim. That means he's not even a ger toshav. He's like a total idolater. He okay. Now, keshu omer le'eker mishpacha scare. What does eker mean? It's an interesting word. Okay, so anyway, the gemara interprets it to mean ze'nimchalavodus kochavim atzma. You're not just sold to a non-Jew. You're sold to you know to the to the pagan temple. So Rashi says you don't actually have to do pagan worship, but you're put in the service. You have to cut down the firewood for the pagan temple, you know? So that's how far down you fall. So because somebody has gone so far down, sin after sin, and not doing tshuva, maybe I would say that it's one thing to say, treat him well. The Torah is concerned that he be well treated. But maybe the Torah does not want to make it so easy for him to be redeemed. Maybe he has to suffer as a you know, maybe he has to be in that state of bondage longer because of the consequence of what brought him there. There. Okay, so I'm away. So so how do, so back to the question. Maybe we'll be strict on him and not make it easy for him to buy his redemption, even though we take care of him in the 
treatment of him. So I'm away, no. No, no, no. There, even though it speaks about him falling all the way down, the Torah goes back to speak about our responsibility to get him out of there. Okay, Datani Debei Rebbe Yishmael, Since this guy went so off the derech, and according to this, he became a priest to idolatry, which is pretty harsh. Okay, he sold himself as a servant, but he, anyway, anyway, because he went all this way down. This is such a great idiom. Let's just throw a stone after the guy who already fell down. Be the guy while, be, he's, be down. The guy while he's down. He fell off the cliff. It's actually the idea of skila, skila. He fell off the cliff. He's already at the bottom of the pit. Let's throw a stone on top of him. Okay? Maybe we should just seal his fate. Who you know? You know who cares about him anymore? So Tamud Lamar, no. Even after all of this, we have a responsibility to redeem him. Okay? So, so, so you see, if the Torah is demanding that we redeem him, we should assume that he can be redeemed at the lower price. That's what all this is about. Maybe that's only if he sold himself to non-Jews. We have this heavy mandate. So he should not get, you know, he should not get uh, assimilated and lose his identity. But maybe when it comes to redeeming him, either the redemption price or redeeming him from fellow Jews, maybe in that case, it should, it should be the, the higher amount not the lower amount so finally the Gemara says no 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 that we, I'm sorry we should be strict based on which is that because of his sin he got himself in this position so it's true we have this mandate to redeem him but maybe that's particularly when he sold himself to non-Jews when there he's like he, there's a real concern of him being lost but maybe in terms of determining the purchase price and in general if he sold himself to Jews, maybe the mandate would not, maybe we would go by the higher purchase price. So, no, you can learn it out from the Pesukim themselves. So, the word Right, which is the purchase price, is connected to Rabot Bashanim. There's a lot of years left. The Imaani Shar Bashanim, if there's only a few years left, it says, what? Yashivet So that Pasuk, if there's a little years left, is the end of the Pasuk is Kifi Shanav, is what we said is the current price. Okay? So Rabot Bashanim, Rabot Bashanim is. Which we said meant purchase price. Purchase. Okay? And in Ma'at Bashanim. Lower purchase price. Well, well, one minute. We don't know that yet. Ma'at Bashanim means, it means Kisi Shanav. This is how the Pasuk ends, which we says means current price. Okay? So how does still, how does that tell us higher versus lower? So let's take a look. Okay? So, um, I don't understand. Are some years many and some years few? Now, of course, the plot is a lot of the six years or a little of the six years. But these reading it as are, are the you know is a year are there years that are big and years that are small? Years. All right, whatever. Anyway, Ella, here's how we're going to read it. If Rabot Bashanin, if over the course of the years his value has increased. 
So Rabot, if the value is increased, then you go by Mikesef Mignato, his purchase price, Im which is lower because his value is increased. If Ma'at Vashanim, if over the years his value has decreased, then it's Kifishanov, then it's based on his current value. Okay, so we read that into the box. By the way, notice who the only person is who didn't answer this question. Remember how this started? Abai was going around and saying, ask me any question. So Gemara has ten answers, not one of them is from Abaye. <laughs> and the final answer is also not Abaye. Okay? Okay. Nismai Kaspo, if his value went down, then Kifi Shanav, then it's his current price. Alright? I know it's already uh, 8.30, but let's give two minutes just to finish this thought. It says, why don't we say it says this? Arba, literally, like what Pshad of the Pesukim is. If he did two years and four are left, Rabot Bashanim, Nesav Le Arba, If there's many years left, so the way Tosus reads this, if there's a lot of years left, so the more so the purchase was more recent. So we'll go by the purchase price. If there's only a few years left, so the purchase is, it was very much in the distance, then we'll go by the current price. Okay? The Amitrey, Upashle Arba, Nesivle Arba. So Mikasaf Minato. If he did two and there's four years left, then we'll go by the pay for the four years based on the purchase price. Avid Arbo, Pashule Trey, if he did four years with only two years left, Nasivway Trey, Kafishanov, we'll go by the current price. So why read this as price going up and price going down? Why not just read this more pshat? Are there many years left or a few years left? And that'll determine purchase price versus current price. So Gemara says no. In Nichtov Kra in Odrabot Shanim, if there are many years, Im Nishar Shanim, if there are few years, my Bashanim, what does it mean in the years? Nisraba Kasbo Bashanim, if his value increased over the years, Mikasaminato, Nismai Kasbo Bashanim, Kifi Shanav. Okay, so whether that you buy the drush of the bet or not, rather than saying it means a lot of years or a few years, we're saying increased value or decreased value, and that determines, and that teaches us you always go by the lesser amount. And the Gemara ends by saying, Amar of Yosef, Sedra of Yosef, Tarshinu Rav Nachman, Lahani Krai, Kisinai. Rav Nachman interpreted these psukim like, you know, straight from Har Sinai. So it's so funny. Abai says, ask me any question. And at the end of the day, Abai is completely silent and Rav Nachman is the one who has a brilliant read of the psukim. Okay? But this was a very nice Gemara that introduced us to some core issues about how you treat the Eved Ivri. I just want to repeat these important points. A, how you treat the Eved Ivri. B, the censure or the sense of that it's because of sin after sin after sin that a person gets so desperate until they finally are reduced to selling them their daughter and selling themselves and the sense that it's like a punishment and so this aspect of like censure and so on that you know Michael was raising you know and a certain like the moral framing of this and that nevertheless even with all of that the weight of our responsibility to redeem the person and to make it easy to redeem him you know coming at the same time what about the 